Peggy's going to read to you a passage of scripture from Romans in a second, but I want to teach you up a little bit, if it's okay, before you hear her read it. The Apostle Paul is um, probably the most influential theological voice in the New Testament. That's an understatement. He clearly is. He takes this message of Jesus and, and laid it out in a way that ever since Paul's life, theologians have been trying to expand upon it, expound upon it, help us understand it. I want to share with you that in this section of Romans that Paul is writing, he's being what we call a practical theologian. He's describing what he's experienced. He's describing what he sees. And he begins this passage by saying, we who are justified by faith. I want to give you just a quick message on that. Not justified in any way that says we're better than or equipped, but rather if we've embraced the faith, if we have claimed the faith of Jesus Christ, then these things, okay? So I want you to hear Peggy now read as Paul talks about what happens if once we embrace this faith, and he's describing just what he's experienced and what he's seen in the life of others. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Peggy. I want to lead us into a moment of prayer, but before I do that, if you'll give me just a point of personal privilege to say thank you to this congregation, um, to so many of you who sent cards and and, uh, who paid visits at the funeral home and came to the service celebrating my mother's life who passed away on on the 2nd of January. I got a call from my dad last night. He said, now, Rick, you be sure to tell the congregation thank you. (laughs) So you be sure to tell my dad when you see him that I did what he told me to do. (laughs) But it's also from my deep heart, my gratitude to all of you, to the staff who covered for me and gave me wide permission to be where I needed to be. I'm grateful. So thank you very much. Do you join with me in a spirit of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks and praise. We do. Even on days when it's minus three and we wake up, when we're not really sure that there's a lot we want to thank you for. Even on days when, in fact, we do suffer. We give you thanks because we've discovered in those moments your presence has never left us, nor will it leave us in this hour. So let us cling to it, let's open our hearts to it, and let us receive it as individuals and as a community that today, whatever occurs, we might know your presence, your power, your peace, your joy, and your hope. We pray this in Christ our Lord. Amen. So I'm going to ask you, since yesterday morning, Who has been kind to you? 
Who has treated you kindly? Think about that moment and those persons for a second. And then let me ask you this question. Since yesterday morning, who have you been kind to? Who have you shared kindness with? Now, as you think about that moment that comes to your mind and that person or persons that come to your mind, let me ask this. What motivated that act? Why them? The act of kindness is something that we are taught is proper and right so to do even when we're in kindergarten, or at least back in the day when I was in kindergarten, I was taught that. I have no idea what they teach now in kindergarten, but I remember being taught that. I remember that was a high value. Mrs. Koch really liked it when we were kind with each other. I remember her saying those words. I remember her talking about using kind hands rather than the unkind hands that sometimes emerge in five-year-old little boys. But what motivates us to act kindly? And maybe the other way to ask the question is, who yesterday needed to give you kindness but did not? Who needed your kindness and it was withheld? And again, why? Why do we act the way we do? Why do we, why do we randomly offer kindness, sporadically, spasmodically offer kindness? When we know that when what's offered, there's this magical thing that happens between the giver and the receiver. Augie depended on kindness. Augie was a 10-year-old little boy who's the main character of the book Wonder and the movie Wonder. Augie was both an ordinary and not ordinary 10-year-old little boy. He was surrounded by a mother and a father and a sister who loved him, who, in fact, whose entire world revolved around him. He was the son of to their universe. He knew love, he knew nurturing, and he knew the the support of that cocoon of family. And he had been homeschooled by his mother all the way through to the time he was 10. But now is anticipating the fall of his 10th year of life. His mother decides it's time for him to leave homeschooling and go into public school for the first time at fifth grade. That's a traumatic experience for anybody to consider what that would be like to enter into a a courtyard of fifth, sixth, and seventh graders for the first time not knowing anyone. But for Augie, it was a little more terrifying. Yes, he was going to have to leave behind the cocoon and support of mom and dad and sister. Yes, he was not going to be able to wear his astronaut helmet into the school. Both protected him and gave them a sense of security because as Augie walked in to that courtyard, he knew 
that he was not, in many ways, an ordinary little boy. He was a little boy born with mandibofacial dysatosis, more commonly known as Treacher-Collins syndrome, a very rare condition that occurs in 1 in 50,000 births. This syndrome manifests itself by a deformity of the facial features of the bone structure and tissue structure of the face. Some people who have this syndrome have such minor, minor symptoms that it's barely noticeable by anybody. Others, like Augie, are not so fortunate. And after so many surgeries, they had put his face back back together as best they could, but not in a way that would hide the fact that he was so afflicted. Defined by a disease. Defined by an external uh, appearance. Remember how insecure you were in the fifth grade? You want to be honest about the insecurities you have today? Is it really much different? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. For Augie, a 10-year-old little boy, marching into that schoolyard, knowing that as soon as he stepped into it, People would separate, part, move away from him, not want to touch him, not want to get the plague, not look him in the eyes, knowing there would be no one there to touch him or care for him, knowing that no one was going to want to be his best friend on the first day, knowing that was going to be the truth. He stepped into that courtyard, and it played out as he expected. Insecurities are a terrible thing at any age. Which is probably why we resonate with this movie so strongly. There's not a person in this room who doesn't walk around more aware of their insecurities on certain days than the things that they're willing to put out there and are proud of. Amen? And as Augie walks into that courtyard, his mother watches him enter the crowd and holding on to her husband, prays a prayer that I can promise you others in this room have prayed for others in the past. Please, dear God, make them be nice to him. Please, dear God, let them have friends. Please, dear God, keep them safe. Please, dear God, don't let anything happen to them. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that for someone you love? You know that moment, that moment of vulnerable powerlessness, where the only thing you can do is pray to God for a situation you cannot personally be present into. To put your heart out into a place where you're quite certain, quite afraid, it's going to get hurt. You know that place? Some of us are in that place.
We pray those prayers and we fear for others because we know the truth is that kindness is not always given. Is it? We pray that prayer because we've experienced the moments when others have not been kind to us. And, truth be told, we know the fact is there were times we were not kind to others. And Augie gets hurt. And he comes home, and his sister Via shares the truth with Augie. I'm sorry to tell you, but that's the way it is. That's school. And any of you in this room who go to school can tell me, in fact, school can be unkind. Amen? And some assigned seating is not assigned by teachers. And you know what table you sit at when you're in school and which ones you're not allowed to sit at. Everyone hates school sometimes, Via said. I hate school sometimes. I hate my friends sometimes. That's just life, Augie. You want to be treated normally, right? Well, that is normal. The point is we all have to put up with bad days. Now, unless you want to be treated like a baby the rest of your life, or like a kid with special needs, which he wasn't, you just have to suck it up and go. But you and I know it's not just school. Have you ever found an unkind place in your work? At a holiday table? Perhaps in church? Depending on the kindness of strangers can be very dangerous because you and I both know strangers and loved ones don't always provide kindness back. The story of this movie, Wonder, calls us to be kind, wants us to envision a world of kindness. But let me ask you this. What would that look like? What does it mean to be kind? See, I think oftentimes I, in my own life, have confused that with being polite. I'll open the door for you. Is that being polite or kind? I'll say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I see you're struggling, I'll get you a chair. Is that being polite or kind? How do you know the difference? How do you teach someone how to be kind consistently throughout the day, regardless of the circumstances or the individual or the community that you're surrounded by? Well, church, it just seems to me that if we're going to learn how to be kind, let's own up this confession. I am not always a kind person. Can anyone else confess that with me? There are days I'm just not kind. 
I don't have the patience for it. I don't have the energy for it. I'm too busy for it. I'm too snarky about it. I'm not always kind. Get over it. <laughs> and when I am kind in those moments, when it happens, it's usually not well thought out. It's just a response. It's just it's what happens in the moment. So what would it be for me to change my life, for you to change your life, that we, become, that we could become kind people? Consistently, with intentional thought behind it. The only way I know how to do that is to take a look at how Jesus was kind. I have to have something in my mind and in my heart that locks me down to be committed as I start this day that I'm going to be kind to all I encounter. Who can teach me how to do that? The only one I know is Jesus Christ. So I go to scriptures and I look at all the places where Jesus was kind to others. I look at how he received the woman caught in adultery. Truly, not in a kind situation, but his kindness and compassion changed her life and challenged the community of unkindness. I think about the man with leprosy that no one wanted even to be welcomed into the schoolroom, I'm sorry, into the community. And yet Jesus was kind enough to let him come right into the middle of the group, to be honored enough to engage in conversation, to bring about all levels of kinds of healing in that conversation. I think about all the places where Jesus was kind, and I've come to decide if I really want to be a kind person the only chance I've got on a regular basis is to begin each day saying, Lord, teach me, show me how to be kind, and to lock in on an example of Jesus practicing kindness and keep that in front of me throughout the day. Because only when I'm learning from Christ how to be kind am I conscious that everyone in my purview gets the privilege of being treated kindly by me. I don't get to select out. I don't get to be kind when I want to be to those I want to be kind to. Because when I look at the example of Jesus Christ, he never treated anyone with random acts of kindness. The random acts of kindness movement was the worst thing to happen to Christianity. Because we began to think it was okay to be kindly randomly. That was what we were striving to. Jesus Christ caused us to be kind people. With everyone we meet. To be a kind community to everyone we encounter. To not hope only that some will come, but all will come. And be healed and blessed with acts of kindness, acceptance, love, affirmation. The movie Wonder stirs us to consider what is it to be kind. And, of course, the precept by the teacher is when choosing between being right and being kind, what should you do? Choose kindness. And I'm going to suggest to you we have to choose how Christ teaches us to be kind if we really want to pull that off. And let me say this, grandparents and parents, your children don't have a prayer of learning how to be kind unless they watch you do it. 
Children are not unkind in the school because the other classmates make them unkind. It's because we aren't setting enough of an example as parents and grandparents and as the church to teach them how do you stay focused on being kind. We've got to give them images of Christ practiced out in our own life. Let them learn theology by watching us act kindly. You hear me, church? Paul was a practical theologian. And he saw in his own life that there was a process that you go through in life that gets you to the place where kindness becomes transformational. He says it this way in the scripture that we just heard, that all of us suffer. All of us suffer. And in that suffering, we can either be broken down by it, and some days we are, but we can also learn how to find our endurance Learn how to withstand in the face of that suffering and allow it to help shape our character so that even in our suffering, what we truly believe and who we honor is revealed. Can we represent Christ on the days in which we suffer? Can our character reflect that as we endure the suffering? When all that comes together, that's when we have hope. That's the end goal of the game. That's the end goal of being kind, to provide hope. The kindness that was given to Augie was not just to make his day-to-day existence better, but to give his life hope and to give hope to that community, to change the people, the classmates, the teachers, that very school to understand the depth of hope that could say that everyone who comes into this place will be honored that everyone in this place, sometime in their life, deserves a standing ovation. In the book, Mr. Tushman, one of the greatest names of all time for a principal, (laughs) says this, not just the nature of kindness, but the nature of one's kindness the power of one's friendship, the test of one's character, the strength of one's courage. He's picking up the Apostle Paul. At the end of this movie, Augie does not get a new face. At the end of this movie, we discover that Augie's face was never the problem. Augie's face sometimes is what he focused on more than his own inherent strengths and abilities. He needed to learn that lesson. And for his classmates and teachers and family, they needed to come to discover that Augie should never be defined by his face, but by the things that matter most, character, love, the ability to be faithful in times of strife. At the end of the movie, Augie is not affirmed because he overcame his face. He is celebrated because his 
experience of kindness lifted up other hearts. That's a community of faith, friends. The body of Christ is not to be affirmed because of what you or I do, but rather by how many hearts get lifted up, how many lives get changed, and creating a community that stands unique in an unkind world, that this is a place where everyone, everyone, is welcomed into kindly. So let me ask you, church, who are you going to be kind to today? It's not an optional question. If you're not sure how to do it, then I'm going to invite you to go to the Gospels and pick out the story of Jesus that touches you the most in a moment when he was kind and keep that in front of you. So when you engage with others in your life, see them not as you see them, but rather as Christ would see them. Who are you going to be kind to today and then again tomorrow and then on the day after that? The answer to that question will go in large part to changing the world in which we live. And it starts with that simple, courageous, holy act that you and I commit to now. Join me in prayer. Loving God, boy, can I be a jerk. There are times that I just don't have the patience or time. There are times I don't think it's really even my responsibility. Someone else can handle it. But I pray, Lord, that you will convict me and convict each of us. That the least thing that could be said about us on any day to come is that at least we were kind in the way in which you are kind with us. May lives be lifted up, sufferings endured, character revealed, and hope shared as we live the body of Christ and celebrate your glorious name. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.